0: Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Hello and welcome to another session of Teaching Through the Bible. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sullivan. Uh, Today we're teaching from the book of uh, Ephesians chapter two. We're going to be covering the entire chapter uh, as usual, and I'm reading in the New International Version. So let's jump right into our study today. Uh, Again, I'm reading Ephesians chapter two, New International Version, verses one and two. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So it's important Paul opens this chapter of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2, by noting the fact that we were all at one time in sin. Everyone uh, is born dead in transgressions and sins and needs to be born again and to life and godliness. And so Paul is pointing that out here. Every saint was born a transgressor, uh, a sinner in need of forgiveness, uh, in need of deliverance, in need of being rescuing by Christ uh, from a life of, of sin and degradation. We all needed to be rescued. Everyone is born under the dominance under domination and control of Satan, who is uh, the God of this world, the Bible uh, refers to him as, the God of this world. Satan, Satan and his uh, demon forces are right now working in the lives and controlling the lives of those who reject the knowledge of God and, and uh, refuse to know him and want to live their own way. Unbelievers think that they're living their own lives, but Satan has deceived them into living Uh, a life that focuses on and pursues temporary needs and pleasures. He does not allow them to think about eternal things. So um, people who think that they're living for themselves, that they're doing exactly what they want to do, they're playing right into Satan's plan. He gives them these desires to just pursue earthly pleasures and never think about eternity. And uh, our lives on earth here are very short. They're very brief if we live to be 70, 80 even 90 years in the whole scheme of eternity, it's just, a, it's just a flash, a flash in the pan. And so Satan wants people to put all their eggs in the basket of this life to focus on gratifying the desires of this, this life. The things that unbelievers focus their entire lives on are, are things that, are, that give temporary satisfaction and temporary gratification but have no eternal value. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he said, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. That's Matthew six thirty-one through 33 in the New Living Translation. So Jesus said that unbelievers, people who don't know God and don't pursue God, give all their attention to material things. They focus on the pursuit of, of uh, material things, gratification of the flesh, and not just sinful pleasures, but uh, temporal, uh, temporal needs. But Jesus is putting things in the right perspective. He says, Our attitude should be that we seek the kingdom of God above all else because the kingdom of God is not temporary, it's eternal. Um, And and, and so instead of focusing on just these temporary things here that are going to pass away with use, uh, he says that we should seek first and foremost the kingdom of God and and its righteousness and all these other things will be added to us. For everything unbelievers focus their lives on, uh, and energy on is consumable um, careers and homes and cars and clothes, food and and liquor and drug and drugs and sex. Now, now some of these things are necessary, of course, and and they're part of this. Some uh, some of them are part of this life, um, but J- Jesus wants us to prioritize things. Put the put your greatest focus and your greatest. A priority uh, uh, and your energy, spend your greatest energy on the pursuit of things that are eternal and not things that are just temporary. Um, temporary things, these natural things are either eaten up or we drink them up or we wear them out and they get old, uh, but the things that are eternal, they last forever. Um, so we should not be focusing all of our energies just on material things we should seek the kingdom of God above all else, Jesus said. And uh, Jesus also said in Matthew chapter six, same chapter, verse 19 and 21, don't store up treasures on earth for yourselves where moths uh, eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But he said, store, up, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Again, that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. So what Jesus is teaching us is to prioritize things that are eternal, things that are going to last forever. So if we focus our greatest energies on that, upon uh, living godly lives, upon pursuing the things of God, then he will give us what we need on this earth. Jesus promised that if we seek the kingdom first, all of these other things that we need, they will be added to us. He said, your father know that you need these things, uh, but seek the kingdom of God first. Prioritize the kingdom of God first, and then God will make all these other things come to you. They will, uh, they will be given to you. Uh, when Christ comes into our lives, he brings abundant life, now and he brings eternal life. Um, and he focuses us more on eternal things than on things that wear out and, and fade away. He teaches us to build our hopes on eternal things. In his letter to the Colossian saints, Paul wrote these words, since you've been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven." where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. That's Colossians 3, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation. So what both Paul and Jesus is attempting to teach believers, those who who come to Christ and those who desire to come to Christ, is that our primary focus should be upon the kingdom of God. If we put God first above everything else, then then he will bless us in our lives so that we will have the other things that we need. Prioritize kingdom living. That passage in Matthew 6.33 was one of the first passages that I learned as a Christian because the church that I got saved in, they quoted it a lot. So we, we heard it a lot. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. They quoted the King James version of it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. I heard that and, and I believed that and I began to pursue that just as the pastor taught, just as the elders and the, and the other brothers and sisters who were there before me, uh, they taught it and embraced it. And so I embraced it and, and, uh, and I found that God is true to his word when we seek God, him first, when we, uh, uh, prioritize the kingdom of, of God and seek to be righteous and seek to be godly in the way that we live our lives. Uh, then He will bless us with things. He, he will, if you need a job, He'll bless you with a job. Of course, we have to do the work. We have to uh, pray and seek God and then go out and put in applications. Uh, if we want a degree, we have to apply to college and and do the work. But God will help us through the process as we uh put him first and do what is right. It's not wrong to enjoy temporal things. It's part of living in this world, in this sphere. It is wrong and it is foolish. It's an error to value temporal things over eternal things when we know that temporal things are passing away. They will not last forever. When we see them, we consume them, we 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 use them up. If you buy a brand new car, just wait a few years and it's not worth anything. um, New clothing, same thing. Uh, Food, we consume it. Uh, These things are consumable. They are temporary. And so God is, is giving us wisdom here. He's saying, prioritize things that are eternal, not things that are temporal. All right, now verses three through five. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So Paul is telling us that at one time in our lives, all of us pursued temporal things. That was our primary goal, to gratify the desires and the cravings of our flesh. And, and not just the lustful cravings of the flesh, but uh, just to, to to accumulate things, uh, to accomplish things so that we could get honor. And, and there's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. Again, there has to be the balance. We prioritize uh, spiritual things, eternal things, above natural things. Well, be- before coming into the knowledge of the truth, every believer once lived a life that focused on gratifying these uh, cravings of our flesh and pursuing and possessing these uh, temporary things, with and with no thought about eternal things. We 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 didn't think about um, the hereafter and and uh and and heaven and living forever and all of the things that the bible promises uh new bodies there's going to be a new heaven and and a, and a new earth there's going to be the kingdom of god that's going to last forever and and god promises that believers are going to rule over this under christ those are eternal things uh but before we came to christ we focused only on satisfying those cravings of our sinful flesh and following Uh, its desires, and its thoughts. That's what Paul says here. Our bodies crave things that we could consume or enjoy, temporal things that disappear with with time. And like everyone else, we were deserving of God's wrath, Paul said, just like the rest of of the world of unbelievers. But because of his great love, uh, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because of God's great love for us and, and, and his great mercy, he made us alive. Those of us who have come to Christ, those of us who, who came to believe when we were at one point unbelievers, uh, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions and sin. That is, he approached us even when we were sinners, when we were in our sins, and he brought to us the knowledge, the word of God, and the knowledge of God, and He saved us right there while we were in transgressions and sin. He didn't wait until we straightened up our lives. In fact, we cannot straighten up our lives without Him. So, those of you who may be thinking, well, one day I'm going to get right, one day I'm going to get my life together, and I'm going to start serving God, um, that's impossible. You can't straighten up your life. You need to have God in you in order to change you and to to transform you into what he wants you to be. So while we are yet in our transgressions and sins, Christ will come to us and he will save us even in that state and and then he'll start the process of transformation in us. Even though we may not have been aware of our need for Christ, because he loves us and is so merciful, he revealed himself to us and gave us life in and through himself. He saved us when we were still dead in our transgressions and sins. Um, Paul said, it's by grace that you've been saved. That's an important point. It was not anything that we did to cause God to notice us and come to our rescue. When we didn't even know we needed rescuing, it was God's grace that saved us Uh, and his favor and his kindness that delivered us. I know when Christ came into my life, I wasn't thinking about uh, getting saved. I didn't didn't like church. I didn't like religion. I didn't like Christian music. I didn't like Christians, and I didn't like anything religious. Um, But through a series of circumstances, I found myself in church one day. uh, And while I was there, the gospel message was preached, um, and I ended up uh, coming to believe in Christ. The power of God came upon me. I experienced the presence and the power of God. And I was convinced from that moment that God does exist, uh, that he is real, that he is true to his promise. And I began to pursue him. Uh, so it wasn't anything that I did and, and we can't claim any goodness of our own. It is God who initiates the process. He chooses us even when we are in transgressions and sins, chooses to save us and it's not of anything that we have done it is by grace that we've been saved now i'm reading verses six through seven and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in christ jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in christ jesus when christ saved us He raised us up out of the old lifestyle and he seated us with Christ in the heavenly realm. Now, this is not just figurative language. We Christians have been joined with Christ. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We are one with him. We are joined together with Christ. The Bible says we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, like a husband and a wife. Although we are physically still on earth, this is only a, a temporary situation. We will one day rule and reign with Christ over the new heavens uh, over the new creation. There's going to be the new heavens and the new earth and we're going to rule and reign with Christ over all of it. Uh, our status has been elevated even now while we sit on earth, while while we dwell here on this planet, our status has been elevated and we are sitting with Christ the King. Our our condition has been changed from sinner to saint. Our future has been secured. We shall rule and we shall reign with, with Christ forever and forever. Uh, in his letter to the Colossian saints, Paul wrote these words. "For well, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, You will share in all of his glory. That's Colossians 3 and 3 and 4 in the New Living Translation. Verse 7 of our text today, chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says, In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Uh, This simply means that throughout all eternity, we will be like living trophies showing everyone how good God is. Uh, the angels will be able to look at us uh, walking around in the new creation with our new bodies and, and uh, uh, with glory um, uh, exuding from us and, and with God's goodness. And they will know that we were once sinners. We were once lost. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, He rescued us out of our sins and gave us eternal life and brought us into the kingdom of God. Uh, 10 million years from now, we will be there for everyone to look at and, and everyone to see. We will be living expressions of God's mercy and his kindness and his goodness. Everywhere we go, we will be living expressions of how good God is. And he'll be able to point to us throughout all eternity Uh, as testimonies of how good he is. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that we could be in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of heaven and and live in in the new creation along with Christ and all of the saints and all of the angels. Now I'm reading verses eight through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, our salvation was not earned. It was given as a gift from God. We, uh, we didn't do anything to earn it. I said that earlier and it bears repeating. Um, if we act as if we were chosen because of some good thing we did, then we're uh, boasting in our own goodness. Uh, we're insulting God. We're taking the glory um, for what he has done. And we're blocking his expression of kindness and grace toward us because uh, our salvation is an act of sheer sure kindness on the part of God. It is a, a, an act of love and mercy and grace on the part of God. We didn't have anything to do with it. It was God's doing. And so God should get all the credit. So don't tell someone that, you know, um, there were certain things I didn't do. I just didn't do before I was saved. Or, or, you know, it doesn't matter what you did or did not do before you were saved. You were under God's wrath and you were on your way to hell. And uh, it doesn't matter how morally good you were. You still were not good enough to merit heaven and salvation. But God rescued you out of your sins, uh, and he came into your life, uh, and he sealed you with his Holy Spirit, and he's given you an inheritance among those that are, that are sanctified. So uh, if we act like we were chosen because of something good we did, we, uh, we do despite to the grace of God, we, we rob him of his glory. We were all sinners worthy of wrath, but because of his mercy and his grace, he rescued our undeserving selves from ignorance and from darkness and from the coming wrath. Now in verse 10 of our text, it says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, according to God's foreknowledge, uh, God knew who was going to hear his message when it was preached, or who were going to uh, hear it and respond to it. And according to God's foreknowledge on who would choose uh, to, to, uh, to receive the message, who, who would believe the message, um, he planned out our whole eternity. And, and God knows the ending from the beginning, so he is able to plan out uh, what we are to do. So he created us to do good works even before we became believers, because he knew that we would one day become believers. He knew who would and he knew who wouldn't. And according to that, he has uh, created us in Christ Jesus to do the good works that we're doing. So whatever it is that you're doing now as a believer, whatever good you're doing, um, whether it's much or whether it's little, God created you beforehand to do those good works. He put it in your heart. He gave you the gift to do the things that you are doing. Um, because knowing that we will one day obey the gospel message that we heard, God planned out our future, uh, in, on earth here and in eternity. Now we are God's handiwork. the uh, the NIV says, um, one translation says we are God's masterpiece. He planned out the good works that we're, that we would do, um, here and now and throughout eternity. Now, verses 11 through 13, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, uh, that's a mouthful, and I want to unpack that. We Gentiles, uh, non-Jews, if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile, okay? So we Gentiles were outcasts. God's covenant was only extended to the Jewish people, the Jews, uh, and, and, and those Gentiles who converted to Judaism by being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses, okay? A Gentile could convert, become a Jew or become Jewish, um, uh, at least uh, uh, come under the, the Jewish religion by um, submitting to the right of circumcision and by keeping the law of Moses. Now, Jews looked down on Gentiles and they called them uncircumcised. Uh, Gentiles were excluded from Israel and shut out from God. Uh, but Christ came to rescue Gentiles and bring them into the family of believers along with the Jews. The blood of Christ was shed to bring forgiveness of our sins and adoption into the family of God. And so now we uh, Jews and Gentiles are made one. We are brought near. The Gentiles uh, were brought near. The Jewish people were already near because they had the oracles of God. That is, they had the word of God, the knowledge of God. Um, they had the law and all of the ceremonies and all of the things that God gave to them as his chosen people. Uh, Jews had been, a Jew, a Gentiles had been excluded. But through Christ, we were brought in, adopted into the family of God. And now both Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ. Now, I'm reading verses 14 through 16, for he himself is our peace Now, let me unpack that. The law of Moses, which was given to the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, okay? The law of Moses was was full of commandments that kept Jews uh, separate from Gentiles. God put these laws in place to keep the Jews from being swallowed up by the superstition and idolatry that the Gentiles were sucked into. Um, God's separation of Jews from Gentiles had nothing to do with race, okay? It had nothing to do with race, but it had everything to do with religion. The Gentiles were idolaters. They were full of superstition and false notions about God. They worshiped many gods. Uh, They indulged in in witchcraft and, and spiritism and all kinds of foolishness um, that was darkness. So to keep, to prevent the Jews from sliding into that and being sucked into that, God separated them from the, from the Gentile nations. He gave them the law, uh, through Moses. Uh, he gave them the law and, and the, the law, the Mosaic law was full of prohibition, things that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. God wanted to keep the Jews distinct and separate from the Gentiles so they wouldn't get pulled into all of the stuff that the Gentiles were in until Christ could come, okay? Um, if if the Jews had gotten diluted or sucked into the the, uh, the Gentile, then the whole knowledge of God could have been lost. So God wanted to maintain the knowledge of God, the prophets, and, and all of the prophecies concerning Christ, and he wanted to keep a distinct people until Christ could come. Now, some of the law that kept Jews separate from Gentiles were as follows. I'm going to share some of them with you. Uh, first of all, monotheism. Monotheism is the worship of one God. The Gentiles were polytheistic. That is, they they worship many gods. They worship false gods. They made gods out of wood and and stone and and different kind of material, metal, and then they would bow down and worship these things. And 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 they and in their idol worship, there would be demonic involvement because sometimes there would be supernatural things that would go on because demon spirits were leading them in further and further into, into darkness and in unbelief. They were being deceived by demonic spirits. And so there was Satanism and there was witchcraft involved in these things, um, and they worship all of these different gods, Okay. uh, But God taught the Jewish people that there is one God, and they were only to worship that one God. So that's monotheism, and that kept them separated from the Gentiles. Uh, A second law was the law of of marriage. Jews were commanded not to to, uh, intermarry with Gentiles because they would be drawn into idolatry. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 says, uh, Do not give your daughters to their sons... Or take their daughters for your sons. And it goes on to say uh, they would seduce you into worshiping their gods, okay? Uh, So there was the the law of monotheism, and then there's a law of marriage, and then there was a law, the dietary laws. Uh, Jews were commanded only to eat certain kinds of animals that were designated as clean animals, while Gentiles ate anything they chose to eat. That was another law that separated them. And then there was uh, the law of circumcision. Um, the Jews were commanded to circumcise their male children when they were eight days old, and Gentiles had no, no such law. So the laws of Moses were put in place to, uh, partly to separate the Jews from Gentiles until Jesus could come. There was that wall of division between Jews and Gentiles. And the Jewish people looked down on the Gentiles because they they thought of the Gentiles as as unclean, uncircumcised, heathenistic, and so forth, ignorant and superstitious, uh, which Gentiles were for the most part. Now Jesus Christ came uh, and He uh, uh, saved the Gentiles. He brought the light of uh, the light of the knowledge of, of of God into them, and so He saved the Gentiles. And and in His life. Christ fulfilled all the demands of the law of Moses uh, while he was alive. He obeyed the laws. Uh, no one was able to completely fulfill those laws except Christ. And Christ came. He completely fulfilled the laws. And then in his death and resurrection, he ended that old covenant of uh, with its laws of separation. And he brought in a new and better covenant that included Gentiles along with Jews as members of one new body. Okay, so Christ uh, took down the wall of separation which was between Jews and Gentiles, which was the law. He fulfilled it, and the Bible says he nailed it to his cross and he took it out of the way. Okay, so now Christ brought peace between Jews and Gentiles because now he saved the Gentiles along with the Jews, and now we're one body. Christ is our peace who destroyed the wall of hostility and division between Jews and Gentiles, and made made Jews and Gentiles one. Uh, In the book of Hebrews chapter eight, verse six, it says, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Okay, so Jesus Christ came in, and that's Hebrews eight and six in the King James Version. Jesus Christ came in and he, um, fulfilled the old law, um, and then he brought in a, a new covenant, brought us under a new covenant that's established upon better promises. The old covenant promised the land of Canaan to the Jewish people. The new covenant promises eternal life, new immortal bodies, the kingdom of heaven, and a new earth all through Jesus Christ. It's a, it's, it's, uh, it's a better covenant established on better promises. Um, And through the cross, Jesus brought Jews and Gentiles together in one body again, and he ended the hostility that existed between them all these years. Now we are one. When Jews who accept Jesus as Messiah uh, come to Christ, when when Jews uh, believe in Christ and accept him, uh, they, they become one along with Gentiles who also believe in Christ. The uh, Jewish people today who believe in Jesus are called Messianic Jews. Um, They believe in Jesus Christ along with Christians. Now, verses 17 through 19. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So here we are, Christians and Jews together uh, in one body, in one family, the family of God. Gentiles were adopted into the family of God when they accepted Christ, when Christ came and and every Gentile who accepts Christ uh, becomes part of the body of Christ and every Jew who accepts Christ becomes part of the body of Christ. I don't care whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, you cannot enter into the family of God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and preached peace to Gentiles who were away from God and to Jews who were near him. Now Jews and Gentiles uh, both have access to God the Father by the Holy Spirit, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, that's important to note. That uh, neither Jews or Gentiles can come to God, uh, can be saved, can, can come into the family of God and Christ, except through Jesus Christ, okay? We Gentiles were brought in by Christ, and we were made family. Now I'm reading verses 20 through 22. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, this is symbolic language. Paul is using uh, building construction terminology to illustrate how God has built us into a holy habitation for the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we are Uh, Now the body of Christ, Uh, Paul uses the illustration of a, of a temple um, that was built and Jesus is the cornerstone and the apostles uh, and the prophets laid the, the groundwork or the foundation for uh, this building by preaching and teaching the truth about Jesus and, and building God's church upon Christ. So um, sometimes the Bible uses the illustration of a body to show our oneness uh, together uh, in in one in in Christ. Uh, Here, Paul is using the illustration uh, of a building. Uh, We are like stones in a building, one uh, temple, and Christ inhabits us. So every new believer who turns to Christ is like another stone that's been added to that building. Peter put it this way. He says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into this spiritual temple. That's first Peter chapter two, verses four and five in the new living translation. Okay. So we are every Christian and every uh, Christian Jew or Messianic Jew, every person who believes in Christ and comes to God and believes in Christ, becomes a part, become a living stone, as it were, uh, in this great building um, that is inhabited by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in Christ, okay? So we have something to be grateful for. If we're believers, we have something to look forward to. We have something to rejoice, and uh, we are part of the universal body of Christ. I don't care what denomination that you come from, a Christian denomination, if you believe in uh, in the essentials of, of the gospel message of Jesus Christ and you accept that, uh, then you are part of the body of Christ and we are one together. Well, that brings us to the close of Ephesians chapter two. Next time we will cover chapter three. Thank you for joining us and may God bless you until next time. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at emergecurriculum.com. Please tune in to our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast.